Last week, guys, we considered the theme of serving. We're going to remain on that theme as we finish up Matthew chapter 20 together this morning. Last week, we are looking at service or serve us, and that's really the mentality of people today. Either you're going to be a servant or it's all about you, and you just want to get what you can get. <laughs> um, so this week, we're going to look at a love that serves. If you guys like outlines, verses 17 to 19, we're going to look at a, a dying to serve, and then verses 20 to 28, coming to serve, and then 29 to 34, compassion that serves. So Jesus, just to give us a little bit of context this morning, he's on his way to Jerusalem, okay? Uh, he began in Galilee. He's taken this route through Jericho. Now he ascends this 10-mile uphill journey to Jerusalem. And if you look at verse 28, we really have the key to the life of Christ, answering why he came, but really, why did he come well he came to serve and to give that's why jesus came his life encompassed that servanthood and sacrifice that was his mission now should we do the same well we're followers of christ right he's that kaleo that example example for us so he came to die his supreme mission Okay, he came to live for our example. He came to teach about his kingdom. He came to heal both our body and soul. He came to show compassion to who? To the multitudes. He came to testify of the truth that we might know it and then actually walk in it. He came to destroy the works of the devil to set us free from sin. Isn't that cool? Because Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4 tells us that the God of this age, speaking of Satan, has blinded those who don't believe the gospel. If you are not a Christian, it's because Satan is blinding you. But you know what? God is light, okay? And that can pierce darkness. The gospel can set people free. Zach last week prayed to receive Jesus Christ. Let me tell you what, guys, that's pretty exciting, you know, to know that your sins are forgiven because of what Jesus Christ has done. That's exciting. And he came to set us free from sin. He came to set the captives free that we might be free indeed. He came to lay down his life a ransom for many. So he didn't die a martyr. He died a savior. So, let's take a look at verse 17 together. Now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the 12 disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles and mock and scourge and to crucify and on the third day he will rise again so jesus marches boldly on before them showing that he is a lion of a lamb we're going to be taking a look a little bit this morning in mark's account to make some comparison in mark chapter 10 verse 32 you can jot it down it says there they were on the road going up to jerusalem and Jesus was going before 
before them, and they were amazed. And as they followed, they were afraid. Then he took them, the twelve aside, and said again, and began to tell them all the things that would happen to him. So did Jesus know he was going to the cross, that he'd be crucified? Yeah, he knew what was going down. He was on a mission. And it was a joy. Do you guys know that was a joy for him? For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. And what's that joy, guys? It's you. God so loved this world. He loves you. It was a joy for him to lay down his life for you. So his steadfast determination in the face of this impending danger, it amazed, it surprised the disciples, and indeed those who followed were afraid. Now this is the third in the final prediction of his passion. Here he finally names his destination. It is Jerusalem. That's where we're going. Okay, so I want you to know this information so you know that I'm in control and when it seems like everything else is out of control. Isn't that wonderful? Because let me tell you what, things are out of control. Open your eyes. People don't know what to do, okay? They don't even know what to think. We are so brainwashed. These people say this, these people say that. This party wants to do this, and that party's wrong because of that. Blah, 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 blah. We're a mess. We're killing each other. Where's the love? Where's the service? Well, it's all about me. If I don't get my way, we're all going to go to war. And we see this happening all over the world, guys. Well, the one thing I love about the scriptures. It shows us that God is on the throne, that he is sovereign, he is in control of all. And don't let your hearts be troubled, Jesus said. We're getting ahead in Matthew, okay? We're going to get there in a couple months. But Jesus actually says, hey, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen beforehand so you don't need to be tripping. And this is what he's telling his boys. Guys, you've walked with me for three years. You know who I am. And they're going to betray me. They're going to scourge me. They're going to mock me. They're going to hang me upon a tree. I'm going to die for the sins of the world, but don't worry. Because three days later, I'm going to rise from the dead. It's all good. I know where I'm going, why I'm here, and what's going to happen. So don't be afraid. Don't you guys love that the word of God's prophetic? That's one thing we know that <laughs> it's supernatural. There's not one other book upon the planet. There's a lot of religious books out there, but you guys know the one that you hold in your hands? This is the only one that has fulfilled prophecy. Right. Only one. And it's not a few little vague things. Like this morning, is this pretty clear? Like, was Jesus being specific? I'm going to Jerusalem to die. This is who's going to kill me, and I will rise from the dead. And did it all happen? Yeah, pretty cool. Let's move on. Coming to serve. Look at verse 20. Then the mother of the Zebedee sons, came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. And he said to her, what do you wish? She said to him, grant that these two sons of mine may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. 
Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized with the baptism which I am to be baptized with? They said to him, we are able. So he said to them, you will indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand or on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those whom it is prepared by my Father. And then the ten heard it, and they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be the first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Woo! If we could own this, guys. Wow. You know how beautiful the church would be? To be like Jesus. To be willing to humble ourselves. To love and to serve. I want one of my sons on your right hand. One on the left. I want them to be great. It's referring to that preeminent position of authority and honor. The first and the second in importance in your kingdom. Let my boys, James and John, be these Jesus. Well, denied on two counts. First of all, their ignorance. They didn't know what they were asking, were they? Not at all. And secondly, their inability, because the father assigns the seating arrangements. So mom's name is Salome. Maybe she remembered Jesus' promise back there in chapter 19, verse 28, and was simply claiming it for her two boys. Maybe it was the mention of Jerusalem that triggered this inquiry. What? You're going to Jerusalem? You're the Messiah. You're finally going to take the throne and rule and kick butt and get Rome out of here. Yes. I don't know what she was thinking. Do you guys know what she was thinking? But whatever it was, she wanted her boys right there. And as they thought he was going to take the place there on the throne, the kingdom come, they wanted box seats. We want to be right there. We want to see it all. So what she, they forgot was that he had, what he had just said about his death. Were you guys not listening? You guys ever wonder that? I just shared with them the love of God, God's plan, the gospel. Now they're talking about this? Did they not hear what I just, this is the greatest news of all time? Are they not getting it? Aren't we the same way, guys? I think that sometimes. Did they get it this morning? I prayed and prepared. I thought I preached good. Does anybody get it? Guys, let me tell you what. If you have ears to hear, if your heart is open, if you're willing to seek him, you will find him. You will hear him. You will know his word, and guess what? We get to be doers of it then. But there's so many Christians out there today that don't know. I just don't know. 
You're asking me why I'm a Christian. Don't know. I know God loves me. I know I get to go to heaven because of what Jesus did. But you want to know about this and why that happens and why this is taking place? I don't know. You guys know that a lot of people love God a whole lot, but biblically, they're kind of clueless. God's called us to be people of his book. <laughs> We're to know the word. We're to give a defense to this world. Because there are people asking questions. Not many of them. Most of them are willing to come up with whatever crazy, you know, believe anything goes because they don't want to deal with their creator. They want to be their own God. Anyways, I'm getting so sidetracked. The point is, what she, they forgot, was the only way to glory is through suffering. That's what they missed here. Turn to 1 Peter with me real quick. We're going to come back to Matthew in a second. 1 Peter chapter 5. We're going to look at verse 10 together. First Peter 5.10 says, May the God of all grace, don't you love that? All grace, who called us to eternal glory by Christ Jesus after, catch what it says, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. What? That's in the Bible? Because let me tell you what. I went to that church over there and the preacher told me if I came to Jesus, my life would be great. Everything would work out good. I'd be blessed. And now I come here and you guys are reading the Bible and it says we're going to suffer? What's going on? Who's right, this preacher or God? <laughs> Who's right, guys? God. But aren't you guys glad that we've been called to this eternal glory? Even though we're going to suffer a little bit, do you guys think this eternal glory is worth it? Absolutely, I'm in. I don't care. This life that's but a vapor, man, it can suck the rest of my life every day if I know that I get eternity with Jesus Christ. Woohoo! So, do not pray, or you do not pray for a throne, you pay for it. Warren Wiersbe said that. I thought it was really good. Let me say it again. You do not pray for a throne, you pay for it. We're going to suffer. Through many trials and tribulations, we enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you look at verse 22, why do we think that James and John asked to do this? Well, they had enjoyed. If you think about these guys, what do we know about them? They got to enjoy a very unique privilege of glimpsing the glory of God as they were up on the mountain there when Jesus transfigured before them. Woo! That's awesome! I want in! I want to be there! Jesus is going to Jerusalem! Okay? He's going to be on the throne. Maybe he'll start glowing again. They wanted to get him. You know, they wanted him first. Okay? Of course, the early bird gets the worm, right? Yeah, I want in. So if you are a disciple, expect a cross, a cup, and a baptism. For the servant is not greater than his Lord. You see the cup, the cup of what? Of sorrow. Baptism. Of suffering. Their goal should be what? Serving. 
not ruling. Disciples, Jesus, can we share in your glory? Jesus said, sure. Will you share in my suffering? That's what he was asking. Do you guys know which in the whole world is the most persecuted religious group? Christians. Jesus said it was going to happen. The world hated me, they're going to hate you. I have people that won't even talk to me and have a conversation with me just because I love Jesus. Because they're all about tolerance. (laughs) Really? Could have fooled me. It's just unreasonable. But it's just the way it is because that's the way Jesus said it was going to be. And we shouldn't think it a strange thing. Here, if you guys... (laughs) This is the flesh at its finest. We are able... We are a, do you guys know the flesh loves religion? You know that's why a Catholic doesn't like you talking about Jesus Christ being the only way. His sacrifice, the cross, his blood that was shed. It is his gift. He is savior. You can't save yourself because it is the pride that is in our heart that says yes to the law. (laughs) If I can do these rules and regulations, then I'm good. I'm great. I'm deserving. Every religion in the world is works-based because it feeds the pride of man. There is only one religion in the world that is not based upon works. Anybody want to guess what it is? Christianity, go figure. Is there only one truth? I believe there only can be one truth. Some of you guys might say, no, there's not. Do you know that for sure? (laughs) Think about it. There only can be one truth. And Jesus claimed to be the way, the truth, the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Period. So, we are able. Oh, scary. Not by might, not by power. But by my spirit, says the Lord. Zechariah 4, 6 says that. It's him who's going to do it. So do you desire a position? Then prepare for it, okay? Rather than to seek it selfishly. James 4.10, I want you guys to jot that down. James 4.10, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and what? He, he will lift you up. He's the one that's going to do it. But you're great. And if you work hard enough, if you believe it enough, you can do whatever you want. Haven't you guys been told that your entire lives? Yeah. How'd that work out? We're all special. If we're all special, why do we look around and just see a bunch of normal people? We're all a little weird. Let's be honest. And I'm not just saying because we're Christians. Like, Christians are extra weird. But if you look at the world as a whole, okay, think about it. We're pretty foolish. There's not many wise. 
There's not many that have achieved. Think about every young man who wants to play in the NFL one day. What are the odds of making the NFL? Probably the same as the Lions making the playoffs. I don't know. (laughs) Sorry, Michigan people. You guys aren't Lion fans now, are you? Oh, good. I thought I was going to have to start fasting and praying. Oh, boy. So the point is, guys, we are called to humble ourselves. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Okay? But religion, no, I can do. I'm right. I want to get so sidetracked. We got to stay on here. Let's look at verse 23. (laughs) You will indeed drink. So James was going to be the first of the 12 to be martyred, to be killed for his faith. You guys know that? Salome is saying, hey, I want my boys, James and John, right hand, left hand. Okay, hey, they will partake. Do you guys know that James was the first one to be martyred? Also, Christ, um, King Herod, had James and his brother John put to death by the sword, we're told in Acts 12, uh, 1 and 2. So John was probably the last to die. Okay, As far as we know, John died of natural causes. Um, but he suffered many persecutions, didn't he? They tried to boil the guy to death, but he wouldn't die. <laughs> Think about that. They, they tried. So anyways, verse 24, it says here that they were greatly displeased. What? Why are the disciples? Because James and John selfishness, baby? What makes you guys special? Just because you got to go in the mountain, right? What makes you guys? Or was it because the 10 didn't think of it first? Guys, we blew it. You know, we should ask first. Or was it because they were jealous that they didn't get to him first? I don't know. But we look in verses 25 to 28 here. Jesus turns the value system of the world completely upside down, doesn't he? Okay? You guys want to know what God's will is? What his heart is? What he wants for us? Here it is. So the marks of a true greatness for anyone, okay, it's going to be humility and service. Those are the marks of someone who's truly great. Jesus seems to say there's nothing wrong with a desire to be great, provided you seek it the right way, okay? The right kind of greatness. That you allow God to decide what that greatness is, and you are willing to pay the full price of what that greatness demands. So in verse 27, Jesus brings out now for you and I the third time, okay? First shall be last the slave of all, okay, it's really a race to the bottom. That's what Jesus is saying. You want to be great? You become a servant. I don't like that. I don't like, but you want to be great? You serve, okay? Why aren't more people getting saved? I would say, where are the servants in the church? Where are they? Well, pastor, that's why we tithe, so you can get paid. Isn't that your job? If you think that, repent. There aren't paid professionals in the church. We're all called to serve the living God, and we just better make sure that we're doing our part. And what is our part? Well, I guarantee you, whatever that gifting may be, that talent that God's given you, it involves service to others. Guarantee you that. We're all called to serve in some way. 
So God's pattern in Scripture is that a person must first be a servant before God promotes him or her to be a ruler. So you can't give orders until you can take orders. You can't exercise authority until you know how to be under authority. So verse 28, okay, this new motivation is given to you and I for service, to give, not to get. But that's why I came to church. I wanted to get something. No, read your Bible, okay? And I think that's part of the reason why Freedom Fellowship will never be a big church, okay? We're not about making you happy and telling you lies to make you feel good about yourself. Okay? We're going to tell you about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And hopefully you come to know Him and you find your identity in Him. And let me tell you what, you're going to have a real hope that is eternal, that is real, and your eyes are going to be on Him and not on you. Because let me tell you what, even the best of us, we're still pretty selfish, aren't we? All we can do, brother and sisters, keep pointing each other to Jesus. That's what we we're going to do here at Freedom. We're going to keep telling you guys, look to him. Well, how do we do that? Well, it's part of what we're doing right now. We're going to take his word seriously. We're not just going to pick and choose like, oh, I want to talk about, what's the topic everybody wants to talk about nowadays? Grace, 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 grace. grace. I love grace. Nothing wrong with grace. I'm saved by it. But if that's all we ever hear, we're not going to strike the balance. And what is the balance? Well, Jesus is the balance. And as we look to him, what does that look like? Oh, suffering? Service? Really? Well, the Jesus down the street's all about a new Mercedes. I'm going down the road. Sorry. Preach it. Yeah. There's enough people preaching that crap. Sorry. I was told by my kids that's a bad word this week. They actually asked me, why is that a bad word? I don't know, because it stinks. Um, <laughs> now I'm lost. That prosperity gospel throws me. I'm sorry. <laughs> but every time, it's just like, do you guys not read the Bible? Do you not read the Bible? It's not about us. And that's what the prosperity gospel is all about. It is man-centered. It's like if they would teach the Bible for a moment in those churches, there would be some serious repenting going on pretty quick because, oh boy, we missed it. It's about God. Do you guys understand that? And isn't that what Jesus is laying before us this morning here just as we're reading his word? Hey guys, it's me. I'm on a mission. I'm going to go save the world from their sins. It's not going to be easy. But let me tell you what. This is the way it's been planned since the get-go. Since the beginning. And it's a joy. This is why I've come. And guys, I don't want you to miss the point. Because you're thinking it's all about you and what you're going to get out of it. And you get to be rulers. No! It's about me saving this world from their sin. And you guys are going to suffer because you're going to serve me through sharing the gospel to the world. And they're going to kill you guys for doing that. I don't want a part of that church. Then you're not a part of the church. 
So the mark of true greatness, they're going to be humility and they're going to be service. Jesus seems to say here, there's nothing wrong with the desire to be great. Okay, but we got to seek it his way. Now, God's pattern in Scripture is that a person must first be a servant, okay, before they're going to be promoted, okay? Faithful in a few things. Aren't we told that in Scripture? They will be given much. Are you faithful with what God's asking you to do? I'm not doing much. Well, if you're doing what God's asking you to do, it is much. It is great in His eyes. And you're going to get Him. You're going to get to hear him one day say, well done, good and faithful servant. Are you doing what he's asked you to do? What does that look like? Well, it's going to church every Sunday. Maybe it's not, guys. Maybe God's asked you, hey, I want you to go over and mow your neighbor's lawn this morning. Go love on him. Sit down with him afterwards. Open my scriptures with him. Share the truth with him share the gospel with him maybe that's it but then i would miss church (laughs) who cares you do what god's asking you to do okay is it ever commanded in scripture to go to church on a sunday morning do you see that i haven't seen that yet i haven't but i do see the example in the command to follow christ what does that look like that's going to be radical. That's all I know. It's going to look very different for each and every one of us because he's calling each and every one of us to something different. But let me tell you what, guys. We need to do what he's asking us to do. So let's move on. we got to finish this morning. told you I was feeling preachy. Verse 28. Boom, 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 boom. Did you guys see that? Isn't that cool? All right. New motivations given here, okay, for service. It's to give, not to receive. So Jesus comes, okay, um, Jesus has come uh, to get your, or he didn't come to get your service, but he came uh, to give you his services. Do you understand that? He came to serve. That's what he came to do, to serve. Jesus didn't come to gather your merit, but to show you grace. Jesus didn't come to count up your works, but to show you his mercy. Jesus didn't come to look for treasure, but to bestow to you unsearchable treasure. Jesus didn't come for those who think they're righteous, but to look for sinners. Jesus didn't come to those who think they're healthy, but to heal the spiritually sick. Jesus didn't come to those who think they are found, but to seek and to save the lost. And Jesus didn't come for those who could see, but those who were spiritually blind. So how can your life better conform to Jesus' view of greatness in the areas of serving and giving? Serving like a waiter and giving. That was my example to Shalom this morning. (laughs) She got it. That's right. I'm here. I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm serving Him. Okay? And how is he asking me to give? Okay? If he's my heavenly father, it's in his nature, he's a giver, I should be the same way. How does that look? How is God asking me to give, to love, to serve? 
So this little word ransom that comes up in verse 28 here, guys, the essential idea here is one of release to redeem or redemption. So if you haven't been paying attention this morning, because I'm talking monotones today, if you haven't been paying attention, grab a hold of what I'm about to say here. Do not miss this part, okay? This, this ransom. So originally, the understanding was a payment of price to secure or to release a prisoner of war. Then it was used to release a slave, okay? A ransom was given. A slave could be set free. And then a person that was under a death sentence. So it indicated something was paid to secure the release. Is that making sense? This is what the ransom is. So Christ gave himself as a ransom price to free us from the slavery of sin. Do you guys get what he is saying here? Good. Now I'm going to throw out three passages of Scripture that are awesome. Check this out. Three words for redemption or ransom. Agarazo, okay? To buy in the market. There it is. Beautiful. 1 Corinthians, check this out. Chapter 6, verse 20. For you were bought at a price, that ransom, okay? Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Then we see another word for redemption or ransom come up, exgarazo, okay? To buy out of the market. So in Galatians 3.13, we see it used here. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, for it is written, curses everyone who hangs on a tree. Okay, you guys understand that Jesus became sin for us on the cross. He took your place. He paid your penalty for sin by dying in your place. That ransom, redemption, right there. And then Lutron is the third one. It's to set free, never to be bought again. That's literally what that word means. Think about that for a second. Once you are bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, there's no going back, guys. Okay? Nothing, nothing can take you away from the love of God. Nothing can snatch you out of his hand. You guys understand this? You've been bought, paid for, redeemed. Never, ever to be bought again. And we find this word, Lutron, in Titus 2.14. Jesus, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people. Isn't that pretty cool? I hope you guys understand how cool this idea of redemption, to be redeemed, this ransom. So it's the price for a slave who is then set free by the one who bought him. Jesus gave his own life as a price for freedom from the slave from us being slaves to sin. So ransom for in the place of many. I hope you guys have that underlined in your Bible. Okay? That's what Jesus has done for many. His death would take place for many deaths. Think about that. Think about all the animal sacrifices that were being done, okay, to cover sin for a time, right? For only his death could truly atone 
for sin. That's why Jesus is a fulfillment of the law. That's why his sacrifice is what is needed for every person. You see, first, guys, if we think about this, let's do a little Bible history. First, it was an animal, one animal sacrifice per person. Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 3, check it out. Then there was one animal sacrifice per family, Passover, Exodus chapter 12. Then there was one animal sacrifice for a nation, okay, the Day of Atonement. And then finally, one sacrifice per world. John chapter 1, verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Woo! That's Jesus, guys. He's done it once and for all. That's what all those other sacrifices were pointing to. They can never take away the sins of the world. They only could cover it for a time. But Jesus atoned. He was that ransom for us, guys. He paid our debt. Now, let's wrap it up. We're going to look at a compassion that serves in verse 29. Now, as they went out of Jericho, a great multitude followed him. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. And then the multitude warned them that they should be quiet. But they cried out all the more, saying, Have mercy on us, O Lord, Son of David. So Jesus stood still and called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Lord, that our eyes may be opened. Man. What if that was the request of every single human being upon this planet? Lord, open my eyes. Wow. Again, who's blinded? Those who don't believe the gospel? Satan. You guys know what I'm talking about. You guys who've come to faith in Christ and been born again. Your eyes are open. Oh, wow. <laughs> it now makes sense. This is, Jesus really is who he said he is. I know him. I'm really forgiven. I have peace with my maker. Everybody needs to have this. I'm going to go tell them. Why aren't they getting it? This happened to me. You need to know this. It's true. Why are they still blind? Maybe they need to ask. Lord, open my eyes. Verse 34, so Jesus had compassion. Don't you love how compassionate he is? We've been seeing that all through this gospel. I love it. He had compassion. He touched their eyes, and immediately their eyes received sight, and they followed him. So this is the final episode before Jesus' arrival in Jerusalem. So Jesus, again, shown to be the Messiah from David's line, just like it was prophesied. Jesus continues to show his concern for the cast-offs of society, and he heals two blind men who the crowds attempt to silence. So we meet these two determined blind men. Okay, Bartimaeus was the prominent one. We know that from Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 46. And here is the last miracle, guys. This is the last thing that's recorded for us in the Gospels before his week of passion. So it's Passover time, so the streets would have been 
packed there in Jerusalem. Everyone has come. Okay, in verse 29 here, it says they go to Jericho. That's an oasis there in the desert or the city of palms or the city of fragrance it's known as. Okay, and then the son of David. This is what they cry out. Have mercy on us, O Lord, son of David. So this is a messianic title. You guys understand that? They understood you're the Messiah, the Savior of the world. Christ is not Jesus' last name. Christ is a title. Messiah. Jesus the Messiah. So it was said of Messiah, when he would come, he'd be a light to the Gentiles to open the eyes of the blind, to free the captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Isaiah 42, verses 6 and 7. So check this out, guys. This blows me away. I love this. So Jesus stood still. Wait a minute. Jesus just told his guys, we're going to Jerusalem. The whole purpose, the whole reason I've been here, 33 years, finally, it's come. But wait, we got to stop for these two blinders. <laughs> Don't you love that? Okay, so these guys, uh, for a moment, in time, these blind beggars, they have the undivided attention of deity. Bartimaeus, the man who stopped God. We know that Joshua had the sun stand still, but this blind beggar caused the son of righteousness to stand still. So in spite of this impending death, Jesus makes time for Bartimaeus. So what does this tell us about his priorities? Yeah, he's willing to slow down, to take some time. God's not too busy for you. So how do you they compare with your own? Think about that for it. Well, I'm a busy person, Pastor. I don't have time to stop and to help. Mark 10, 49 the NIV, which I don't quote often, but I love how they put this verse. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. Isn't that a cool verse? I love it. So it should be of every Christian. This should be our cry, guys, okay? To those that are recognizing their darkness and their helplessness. Cheer up on your feet. He's calling you. So listen to the eagerness that we see in Mark's account. In verse 50 of chapter 10, Barnabas threw aside his coat, he jumped up, and he came to Jesus. I think that's so cool. So this is how all must come to Jesus. Cast off those filthy garments of yours and go to Jesus. You guys understand? That's repentance. I'm turning from this junk, okay? Even that righteousness we have, well, in the eyes of God, it's what? Filthy rags. Get over yourself, over your works, what you think is right, Repent and turn to him. So verse 32, what do you want me to do for you? They knew what they wanted. They, want, they trusted him. They said, Lord, that our eyes would be opened. Do you, wanna, do you know what you want when you go before him in prayer? Do you know what you want? Do you persist 
even if others are trying to discourage you. I love the song we sang earlier. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Man, did you mean it when you were singing it this morning? I want to see you. <laughs> I want to see. So what promise, guys, that we have in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16? Here. There it is. I put it in a big gold box because this is gold. Hebrews 4.16 Let us therefore come boldly before the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. What? We can come boldly? But I really screwed up this week. Who cares? God says come boldly. Just come boldly before the throne of grace in time of need. And normally, we're always in need. At least if you're me. <laughs> we're needy people. And we get to come boldly. Verse 34, the first thing this blind man saw was what? The face of Jesus. Isn't that cool? The face of Jesus. So he followed him. You guys see what happened there? He saw Jesus and what happened? I saw Jesus. I'm going to follow him. Some people say, or when they see Jesus, and they're like, Whoa! I don't like what I'm seeing. You're asking something of me. There's a car. You want me to follow you? You want me to believe in you? To trust in you? Yep. I am God, by the way. I'd better follow God than Satan. You follow Satan or God. Do you guys know that? It's one or the other. You either have a good king or a bad king. You either have given your allegiance to a good God or a stinky Satan. <laughs> okay? So, he followed Jesus. I love it. So we're not surprised from what we've learned of him thus far that he followed Jesus on the road. We see that in verse 52, 52 of Mark 10. But what road? I've always asked, what road? Well, was it the road to Jerusalem? Where was Jesus going? To his death. He followed Jesus on the road right up to Atonement Avenue, to Lonely Lane, to Calvary Circle, to Scourge Street, to Broken Boulevard, to Passion Place, to Death Drive. To follow Jesus on his road what might some of your costs be? What are some of your liberties? What are some of your rights? Lord, that our eyes would be opened. Be open to your glory. For your glory. We thank you that you give grace to whatever you are calling us to. And all we do this morning is humble ourselves, Lord, and ask for help to follow you well, no matter where you take us. As long as we're with you, Jesus, that's all that matters. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.